0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. The 11th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And verse 33. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness take heed therefore that the light which is in thee be not darkness if thy whole body therefore be full of light having no part dark the whole shall be full of light as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light our father we thank you for your word we approach it reverently we approach it humbly i thank you for the greater one that's within the spirit of the living god to bring forth the word in demonstration and power of the resurrection of jesus that your people may walk in the light thereof. I thank you for it and praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name, amen. And amen. One series we did not too long ago was called Being Full of Light. Now this series, series or whatever, how long it takes, I don't know. Sometimes I start and don't know when I'm going to quit. So Bringing Forth Light will be called the, the title of this message or series. Bringing Forth Light. Now, notice in these passages of Scripture, if you'll start back with verse 33, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. We know that. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. That's Proverbs 20 and 27. Well, he doesn't put it in a secret place, nor does he hide it under a bushel, but he puts it on a candlestick that everybody may see the light. Now, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. Now, the light he's talking about is the light that's in our spirit. Now, you know what that light is. It's found in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. It's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7. We have been lit in our spirit with the light of God. God is what? Light. God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. But you've been lit... Your spirit is the candle of the Lord. It's been lit with this glory of God, with the light of God, the life of God in our spirit, in our inward man. But the mind is still in darkness, and the body lieth in darkness. And the darkness in our mind and the darkness in our flesh acts as a bushel over that light. Just like a bushel. You put a bushel over top of the candle, it's not going to do any good. It will probably put it out there wasn't enough air to get in there, but if there's enough air, it would stop that light from shining forth from the candle into the whole room, to light the whole room. So the spirit of man is the candle, and we have been lit with the very light of God. And beloved, that's a mouthful. You have been given the divine nature of God. It's in our spirits now. This Christian walk should be dedicated to bringing forth that light. That life of God, that love of God in our spirit to the outward man. So that the whole body can be full of light. The whole man, spirit, soul and body can be full of light. That the light then would start from the glory of God. Which is in our spirits, through our souls, by the tongue, control the body, from the body to meet the needs of humanity. That's God's order. That's what we should be preaching and teaching about. Now... We're, ta- we're calling this the bringing forth of this light. Now, he said in verse 34, the light of the body is the eye. Now, don't just think of your physical eye when you think of the eye. Usually, the Bible's talking about the understanding, the eye of our understanding. Remember, Paul prayed in Ephesians and said that the eyes of your understanding might be in what? Enlightened. Not just your eye, your physical eye. He's talking about the eye of your understanding, and really, he's talking about the soul. So the Spirit has been Lit. But when the eye is single, when your understanding, when your mind is single, stayed on the Word of God, a double-minded man won't receive anything from the Lord. He won't walk in the light of God. But when your eye, the understanding, your understanding becomes renewed by the Word of God, the light of the body is the eye. You cannot get this from your spirit to your body without going through the soul. Spirit, soul, body. And you're going to see that the tongue is in the midst of that. Because this tongue must be controlled by the spirit and the soul to bring it into the body. But the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is single, the whole body also is full of light. Do you know what it means to have the whole body full of light? Think about it. God is light. This mortal body can be full of light. We talk about walking in divine health. We talk about walking in the power of God. When this body is filled with the light of God... When you lay your hands upon the sick, they will recover. Now, we're not, you know, neglecting faith on individuals' part, but we're talking about you being full of this light of God so that when you do lay your hands upon people, something's coming out of your hands. It's the very life of God. It's the light of God. You know, there's, light does a lot of things today. Treatments that people even take in hospitals, there's light involved. But blessed be God, when you've got the light, that's why healing comes to the body through the hands of man because the light of God, like a, just like a beam of light, laser beam, flows from one individual to another and that light will go in to heal that body. And that's how it should be. That's why we should practice the laying on of hands. Amen. Now, to show you that that's true, let's finish reading this here and then we'll go to 2 Corinthians. The whole body also is full of light. When your eye is evil... Or natural, the body is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. Now, the light stands for understanding and development. Let me say this to you right now, beloved. Even though you have the light of God in you, you can be highly developed in darkness. As a matter of fact, most of the church, they're highly developed in darkness. So take heed that the light that's that's in thee is not darkness. They're developed in it. They're developed in death, developed in poverty and sickness, developed in it. They have actually educated and trained their spirits to be developed in it. And I'll show you that as we go along in our study. If your whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark. Now, this is Jesus speaking. If that's possible, friends, that kind of light to the body means total healing. It means total everything. It means walking like Jesus walked. But if thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, then the whole shall be full of light. The whole. Speaking of the whole man. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord. That's what he's saying right here. So then the whole man being full of light, the light would not stop at the spirit. But the light would would flow from the spirit to the mind, to the soul, to the tongue, to the body and the whole man will be fully developed in the light of God that's when you become mature in spiritual things that's when you say i'm walking as he walked now let's look at the scripture to show you what i'm talking about in second corinthians the 5th chapter chapter 5 second corinthians chapter 5 well while we're here close by let's look at those scriptures i quoted to you chapter 4 Verse 6 and 7 first, then we'll go to chapter 5. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined where? In our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. The word treasure means deposits in the Greek. But we have this deposit in an earthen vessel. See, there's where the darkness comes in. It's the earthen vessel that's in darkness. Okay, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, we have the light deposited already into our spirit. The spirit man, if we ever begin to see ourselves in the spirit, who we truly are, there'd be no problems walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Now, look at chapter 5 and uh, verse 4. For we that are in this earthly tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not For that we would be unclothed, not to get out of this body, but clothed upon, with what? That mortality might be swallowed up of, now the word life there in the Greek is zoe. Z-O-E. And it means the life and the nature of God. That this mortal body could be swallowed up, or in one translation says, drowned in the sea of eternal life. It's like getting yourself and dipping yourself into the very presence of God. That's how He wants us to walk in the the earth. Let your light so shine. Don't hide that light that's in you by the senses and by the unrenewed mind. But let that light shine. Let your whole being be clothed with this light and this life of God. Now, the instruction we're going to give you is to show you how you could get your outward man to change so that it will not want to do the things that it did when it was led by the other spirit. When the spirit man was dead. The un, the uh, natural man. When your spirit man was dead had the life and nature of Satan in it, your outward man wanted to do wrong things. But did you notice when you first got saved, you cut out some things? But you didn't cut out everything. You cut out some things. Okay. That was a part of your outward man that was instantly changed. When the life of God came into you. Now you've got to develop that. We've got to grow into that. Now we can get to a place that this whole man, this whole outward man can be actually full of light. Full of the life and the life of God. To uh, begin our study, we're going to have to, I want to bring out specifically the bringing forth of this light. We know that it's in us. We talked about being full of light. But I want to talk about bringing it out from your spirit into this outward man. If you're going to do that, you've got to understand this. The spirit operates through the soul. The spirit operates through the mind, through the soul. Now the spirit and soul together will control the tongue. This little member of our body that causes great disasters and fires. But the spirit and the soul must control the tongue. If the spirit and the soul control the tongue, then that tongue will control the body. Remember James, the third chapter? The tongue is able to bridle the whole body? Okay. But you see, we've tried to do it backwards. We've tried to have the senses hooked up to the soul, the outward man, through our own understanding, through our own reasoning, and then try to speak out and then cause miracles to happen or cause your body to be changed. But you see, it doesn't work that way. You can either have your spirit hooked up to your soul or you can have this outward man, the senses, hooked up to your soul. Whichever one is hooked up to your soul will control the tongue. We try to do it just by the tongue. And we've heard teachings on the tongue and just try to do it by the tongue. That doesn't work. It's not going to work that way. We're going to show you scripturally how the Word of God teaches us that the tongue will work together as long as it's hooked up to the spirit man and the soul to control the body. And in unison, it will be able to change this outward appearance from glory to glory to the very image of God. It'll do it. And if you'll just be diligent enough to do it and understand how to do it, you'll be changed day by day. You'll get to a place that God will actually manifest Himself through your mortal flesh. I don't believe we should sit in church for 30 and 40 years and not be any more changed than we were 20 or 30 years ago. I believe by the time a Christian is ready to go home, he should be a firehouse for God. You should be manifesting the very life and the nature of God. You should be walking as Jesus walked. That's why the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. I see myself walking that way now. I see myself doing the same things that Jesus did. Don't you see yourself doing it? Jesus said you could do them. I'm not going to put that aside and just say we'll never attain it. Blessed be God, I'm going to do what he said to do and I'm going to reach that goal. Because I'm going to shoot for that mark. Just as Paul did. Now... In the first verse of the same chapter, I want you to see something here. Back up to the very first verse. Your spirit man has contact with the supernatural world, with the spirit world. Your soul has contact with the intellectual world. You know that. Your body has contact with the physical world, feeling. We know that. But look at the first verse. For we know that if our earthly house, our earthly house. How many of you here have a house? you live in a house that's where you live it's your residence it's your place of residence our body is called the earthly house it's only a place we live in can you see that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were destroyed we have a house of God we may be living in this world but we are not of this world we are living in this world in a house that house is the physical body does your house that you live in your residence on this earth does it dominate you does it tell you where to go and what to do no you just live there and you do what you do inside that house isn't that right you do what you want to do inside that house your house doesn't talk to you it better not I mean, we'll have to go pray over there but Do you see what I'm saying? The body has never been considered just a place of dwelling, a house. To most Christians, the body has been more real to them than the life that's in the spirit. So consequently, they are ruled by the senses. And they never amount to, to much really in spiritual things. Oh, yes, they're saved. Yes, they're Christians. Yes, they're going to heaven. But they are ruled and dominated by this outward man and controlled by it. And this not ought to be. It shouldn't be that way. It should be that the spirit man on the inside has complete control of our activity, of what we do, of what we say. Everything. But it's only considered a house. Now, the spirit man has residence in heaven. Actually, citizenship, I'll say, in heaven. We are ambassadors for Christ in the earth, right? An ambassador has a legal residence in a foreign country. He has a house to live in. So we are ambassadors from the country of heaven to the country of the earth. And we have a house to live in. It gives us residence in the earth, which is our physical body. That's all it is. It's a piece of meat. I guarantee you that when your spirit comes out, it'll just lay there and won't do anything. Never sin again. It'll never sin again. You never talk bad about anybody again in your life, your physical life. Never do it. Do you see that? Because it's to be considered dead even now. Doesn't the Bible tell us that we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God? Well, this body then is dead. It's a place of dwelling, but it's dead. The only life it has is the Spirit that's on the inside. And the Spirit that's on the inside has the life of God. And the life of God should be made manifest from the Spirit into this outward man. So its actions and everything that it does should line up with the very life of God. So if this earthly house... Of this tabernacle word is all, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, and it's eternal, and it's in the heaven. So, the spirit man contacts the spiritual realm or the supernatural realm. We have contact with the Father God through our spirits. We are only living in a physical body as a house on this earth, so that the life that's in us can be made manifest in the earth. If the Father took everybody out of the earth that was born again on the day of Pentecost, and took him home after he gave birth to them, then there would be nobody in the earth so that he could channel his love into the earth. There would be nobody left in the earth so that Jesus could be preached to those that are lost and dying. Had the uh, resurrection only been for the 12 that were there, nobody else would be saved. No, nobody else would be born again. So the Father had to leave us in the earth because we have a physical body. Do you see his plan now? This physical body gives us legal access into this earth. But the Spirit has access to heaven. we certainly become a new species. One that never before existed. See, Adams, in, his, in the beginning, he had a walk in the spirit realm. But when he fell, the senses became dominant. See, the intellect was crowned. And he began to walk in the realm of the senses. But blessed be God, by the new birth, you have access both to the Spirit and to the Father, and access to the earth. No one ever before had this till Jesus came. And now you've got the same access through the new birth. Now, the body we said contacts this physical world, and the voice of the body we know is feelings. Now, here's something I want you to grab a hold of. The tongue. I think we have taken certain parts of the gospel, and we've tried to do one and forget the other, and then we've emphasized another one, and forgot the other. And it seems like there's not a balance in the sense that we don't know how to operate from spirit, soul, tongue, and body. We talk about confession, and people are off confessing wild things. That's true. And they're getting the faith walk all messed up. And they're getting those that don't understand faith all messed up about confession and about faith. They go off and tell them about their confession. Don't say this, and don't say that, and don't say this, and don't say that. I never heard Jesus say that. Even though it may be true, you're not going to help somebody by doing that, by offending them. Now, I'm going to show you by the Word of God how to get your tongue lined up with your spirit so that what you speak will come to pass. Now, in Korea, this, this neurosurgeon stated... This is a new neurological discovery. And he stated that it's been found that the speech center of the brain can control all the nerves in the body. As a matter of fact, he went this far and said, Did you know... We've re- recently discovered that the tongue, or that the speech center in the brain, has total dominion over the body. And this is a medical finding, scientific discovery. I'm not talking about s- spiritual things right now. He said the speech center into the brain, we have discovered, can control the entire body of man to the extent that if a person began to say, I am weak, I am weak, I am weak. He says it would ignite something in the brain and then the nerves would begin to create a weakness inside that body. This is medical, medically speaking. I'm not talking about spiritually speaking now. That's what he said. It could totally dominate this here man, this outward man. So he says if, if he were to say that uh, I'm sick, or anything, just just anything that's, that's destructive towards the body, the body then, by the brain, through the brain, would begin to correspond. The nervous system would begin to correspond with the words that he's speaking, and the body then would begin to line up with what he's saying. This is a recent discovery. Now, we could have told him that 2,000 years ago, because James said that 2,000 years ago. But nobody wants to believe the Bible. So it takes, you know, us real intellectual men, 2,000 years to, to believe finally something that was said through the Word of God 2,000 years ago. You'll find it in the third chapter of the book of James. If a man's able to bridle the tongue, he's able to bridle the whole body. But no, it seems like we got to wait for scientific proof before we can believe what the Word of God says. But I'm going to show you through the Word of God how to line up your spirit, your soul, your tongue, and your body to bring forth the very life and the light of God. Now, let's go to the third chapter of the book of Genesis. And uh, we've gone over some scriptures. We've talked scriptures. We quote scriptures. We go over scriptures over and over and over again. It seems like every time we come around to them, we come up from the different side of the mountain, and we come off with a better understanding of what we're reading in these scriptures. But I want you to see something about the fall that you need to know and understand. In the beginning, man was totally dominated by the Spirit. The Spirit had the ascendancy. In man's makeup, the Spirit was in control. The Spirit dominated the mind and spoke to the mind to give illumination to it. The mind control the Spirit and the mind, or the, or the soul, controlled the tongue. And the tongue, through those words, ignites something in the, in the speech center, in the brain, that causes the body to obey and be obedient to what is being said. Now, if you don't believe that, there's something wrong because we know from the very beginning that words were the creative power of all all the universe. Right? Isn't that true? Everything was created by the Word of God. We're made after the similitude of God, in the likeness of God, the same pattern, the same way. Actually, we're a tripart being just as He is a tripart. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, now listen. This makeup of man was called an operation of faith, and what he spoke was faith. Just as God spoke faith, he had dominion over the earth by the words of his mouth. He could speak and have dominion over the earth just as God spoke and created the earth. No, he didn't give man the power to create a universe. He gave a man the power to control the universe. Amen? Okay, now listen. Third chapter. You remember when Eve was deceived by the devil verse 4 and the serpent said unto the woman you shall not surely die for God does not know or for God does know that in the day you eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil and when the woman circle the word saw right above the word saw heard heard The word heard. Because she heard what the devil said. Didn't she hear what the devil said? She had to hear it. She heard first and then she saw. Okay. She saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant or desirable to the eyes. To the eyes. Not only the physical eye, but the eyes of her mind, her understanding, her reason. Her her reasoning, her sensibility, her will, the mind, her imagination. Now, you see, what she saw there in, in her mind's eye, if I partake of that, I'll be like God. That was good to the mind. That was good to her eyes. She wasn't just looking at, checking out that fruit to see if it was good to eat, beloved. See, these thoughts were dropped into her spirit and she acted upon them. Okay, let's go on. Pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, Satan spoke the word to a spirit being that was in perfect control, spirit, soul, tongue, body. Spirit, soul, tongue, and body. His spirit had the life that God breathed into him that could have been one with him eternally. This life that was in him spoke to the mind, dictated to the mind, which together controlled his tongue to speak words of faith only and obedience and of love. And the body then lined up with what was being said. See, that's how the body was controlled. But all of a sudden, here comes another word. The words that were spoken, if you'll study out through the Bible about words and and, and speech, you're going to find out that they were poisonous words. They were words of poison. Now, the words that the devil spoke, she heard. Now, grab a hold of this process because you've got to understand it to bring forth this light. She heard the word. When she heard the word and saw the tree now hearing and seeing the word is spoken but she hears the word and she saw or she imagined or reasoned it out within her mind when she saw and when she heard when she heard and when she saw the doorways to the human spirit the eyes and the ears the ears and the eyes that's why faith cometh by hearing Because when it gets into the hearing process, it'll go to the mind. Now, I'm going to show you just the reverse. If man would have lived like he was supposed to live, he would have lived by the Spirit. His Spirit was in contact with the Father of Spirits that dictated to the mind, that dictated to the tongue, that controlled the body. But this word came from the outside into her ear, she heard the word which produced an image or an imagination in her mind. She saw with her mind's eye. She saw and that it was desirable and it's good to make me wise. I will know good and evil. I'll be like God. When she got a hold of that, it dropped into her spirit after she thought it. Dropped into her spirit. Now, when it gets into the spirit and it's conceived in the spirit... Now, here's what we're studying bringing forth light. Her spirit that was full of light received in it darkness from the ear into the mind's eye or the imagination or the soul into the spirit, and she conceived in her spirit that thought. Once it was conceived in her spirit, it began to bring forth from her spirit. It came out the same way. Out of her spirit, through her soul, her tongue, and finally her body, her action. Now I want you to grab a hold of that. You need to know that. You need to meditate that. You need to study that. Listen. James, the first chapter. Matter of fact, we can go there. We don't need to stay here. Let's go there. I want you to see this. James, the first chapter. And verse fourteen, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. The thought was planted, the words came, the words produced thoughts and imaginations. The imaginations and the thoughts were dwelt on. She she is dwelling on them in her mind. Dwelling on those thoughts and imaginations or those images produce a picture in her mind. She conceived it in her spirit. Now look at this next part. Then when lust hath what? Now notice the next few words. When lust hath conceived into the spirit, what happens? It does what? It bringeth forth. It bringeth forth. A good man out of the good deposits of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil deposits brings forth. Now the evil was deposited into her heart, but it got there by the way of the hearing, understanding, imagination, conception. Do you see that? Hear the word. See, hearing the word is not enough. Some people hear the word, they get it in their mind, they want to act on it right away without getting it into their heart. But that's not the fullness of of faith. This is the fullness of the opposite, of fear, of sin, selfishness. She conceived that evil thing into her spirit. When she conceived it into her spirit, then it came and brought forth. It brought forth sin. When sin is finished, it brings forth what? It brings forth death. Now that's the pattern. I showed you that pattern for this reason. If you will understand how man fell... ...by the word of the devil... ...and understand its operation... ...how it made its way into the human spirit... ...and then once it got into the human spirit... ...it brought forth out of the human spirit... ...you'll begin to see how you as a believer... ...can take the same word of God... ...let it gain entrance from hearing it... ...into your mind... ...imagining it... ...seeing it... ...envisioning it... ...conceiving it into your spirit... And then the Spirit will do the rest. It will bring forth the fruit of your labor. Or whatever it is that you're asking God for. whatever you're believing God for. I'll show that to you in Romans the 10th chapter. Let's go there. Are you ready for this nugget of truth? The life and the nature of Satan is in his word. The life... And the nature of Satan is in his word. Okay? Now listen to this nugget of truth. Jesus is in his word. The life and the nature of God. Jesus is in his word. Look at these scriptures. Verse 8. I'll be back up to verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise... Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend up, descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in your one, And in your one. Now the word, beloved, is Christ. Christ does not have to be brought down from heaven to get you born again. He does not have to be brought up from the dead to bring, to give you, make you born again. The Word is very nigh unto thee. It's in your mouth, in your heart, the Word of faith that we preach. Jesus is as close as the words you speak. He is in those very words. The Word of faith is the Word of God. The Word of God is God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word was made flesh. Jesus is in His Word. That's how close He is to you. That's how close creative power is to the human spirit. Right here. But notice it's first in your mouth, then in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with a mouth he makes confession unto salvation. Let's go on, but read, read some more here. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew or the Greek, and the Greek. For the same Lord o- over all is rich unto all them that call upon him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? Heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed thy report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now there's a lot there. I'll touch uh, lightly on it. Notice in verse 14, How shall they call on him in whom they not believe? How shall they believe in whom they not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? When Jesus was raised from the dead... He sent us into the world to preach. We are those sent ones, the ambassadors, to preach the Word. How can I preach the Word except I be sent of God? If I am sent of God to preach, I preach His Word. When I preach His Word, you hear His Word. Have they not heard without a preacher? You hear His Word, you believe. Okay? Okay? You believe. You call upon the name of the Lord. You are saved. A man walking in total darkness doesn't understand anything about Christianity, about faith, about being born again. You walk over and tell him, "Did you know you can go to heaven?" "No, I didn't know that." "Did you know you must be born again?" "No, I didn't know that." The word that I'm speaking is is penetrating. It's going into his ear. He begins to think about it. Me in heaven? I can go to heaven. Yes, you can go to heaven and, and live there forever, for eternity. And you could know right now that you're born again and saved. And when you die, you'll be there. I could know that. Yes. That produces a thought. He thinks about that and says, "Well, oh, that's great. I didn't know that. Thinks about it. Some it takes a longer time. Some it don't take a long time. But they think about that. They begin to imagine it. And to realize it. It finally slips down in their heart and it's conceived quickened by the Spirit of God. And then they speak out forth that word. And when they speak it out, the life and the nature of God is imparted to their spirit. Jesus was not, did not have to come down from His throne to get that person saved because He was in His Word. My words are spirit, and they are life. Jesus was in that very word. That's how close he is to you. Oh, we've taken this word wrong. We've taken it like a fairy tale, like a book. That's not just a book, beloved. That is spirit. That is life. Those words properly handled will produce not only the life and the nature of God in you, it will cause it to come out and bring forth from you and change your entire being so that you can walk in that life on this earth. But you've got to hear. You've got to receive it. And we're going to show you how to do that as we go along here. Let's go to second. Well, go, no, go to Proverbs, the fourth chapter. I'm going to not take the time to go to these scriptures. I'll just quote them to you. In 2 Corinthians... The first thing that happened to you after you heard the word which entered into your soul, slipped down into your heart, you believed, you asked Jesus. When you asked Jesus to come into your heart, you were born again. The life and the nature of God came into your spirit. When Eve received the word of Satan, she became a child of the devil. They both became a child of the devil. They received His Word. His life and nature was in that Word. When they acted upon it and conceived it, they were in spiritual darkness. But it took 930 years for Satan to put his total vocabulary into that human spirit so that it could produce death to the body. You know, them bodies did not have sickness or disease right away. Sickness and disease did not make its way into the human body for quite a while after that sin was committed. But I want to show you the process by which it took place. The Spirit was being dictated to now by the senses. For Adam said, I am afraid and ashamed for I'm naked. Those words were not in his vocabulary. Never said them before. I am fearful, full of fear. I'm frightened, I'm ashamed, I'm naked, I'm unclothed. A new vocabulary came. Those words were planted in by the devil, his thoughts, speaking his word. Then the senses, the animal kingdom was destroyed, changed. Man became fearful of animals and began to speak a new language. That language didn't fill up man's heart instantly. It took a process of renewing of the mind through these words and these thoughts and everything that they saw, the world, the imaginations that came by the senses. All that was surrounding him, and of course by thoughts that were produced through the wrong spirit. Now, after a period of years, that spirit became so wicked, so filled with wickedness, that it began to totally dominate the mind, which grabbed a hold of the tongue that through the brain controls the body, until man started saying, this will be the death of me yet. Well, that just tickles me to death. You know, this just drives me crazy, drives me up a wall. These kids are driving me up a wall, just driving me crazy. And their nervous system begins to react. And then 10 years later, they have a nervous breakdown and say, what happened to sister so-and-so? Why did God let that happen to her? Beloved, you got to grab a hold of this. Because this does not work overnight and faith does not work overnight either. In some cases, you'll get your instant miracle, but in most cases, you're going to have to develop faith and learn how it works. And in Proverbs, the fourth chapter, I want you to see something clearly now. Verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Attend to my words. How do I attend to your words, Father? Listen. Incline, isn't it amazing that he said first, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Your ear. Let them not depart from the eyes of your understanding. Keep them in the midst of your heart. The word must gain entrance to your ear. You must hear the word of faith. That word, when it goes into your ear, you must begin to imagine or envision or keep it before your eyes. Once it's kept before your eyes, it will be conceived in the heart. Once it's in the heart, it will produce life and healing or health unto all your flesh. It will begin to bring forth out of itself health, healing, and life. But the word that gets into the heart must be, in verse 23, protected with all diligence. Why? Because the adversary is out there to drop thoughts, your senses are out there to produce thoughts, the world you live in, the economy you live in are producing thoughts, the news media is producing thoughts, magazines and the newspaper and everything you read is producing thoughts, those thoughts exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, just as the thought that, that... The devil gave to Eve, exalted itself against the knowledge of God. God said you die. He said you won't die. Those thoughts were against the knowledge of God. She should have rebuked them right there. Now these thoughts that are out there are continuously warring against your mind, your ears, I mean everywhere you go. You turn on the radio, and so-and-so murdered so-and-so, and so-and-so did this, and so-and-so. And there's a flood here, and there's danger here, and this one died here, and this one did that. That's all you hear. And your ears are being flooded with the, with the vocabulary of the enemy. You put on the TV set, and you see all the soap operas, and all the adultery, and the fornication. And, you be, and you'll sit there, and not only are your ears affected, but your eyes are affected. You don't have to envision it. The vision's there. That's why it's called television. It's there. The words come in. The thought comes in. You don't like your wife anyhow. She's just nothing, no good to you. She didn't do anything for you. Why don't you go off and just do the same thing? And the thoughts surmount. The image comes. It's conceived in the heart and acted upon. And then someone says, Well, why did that happen to so and so? Wonder why they did that. See? You are continuously surrounded with doubt and unbelief and forces of darkness and words that are contrary to the knowledge of God. But he said, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from the image of your mind. That will produce faith in your heart. Your heart will begin to take control of your mind. Together they will take control of your tongue. And then you'll speak forth life. It'll produce health and healing to your body, and power to your words to create. Diligence, how diligent, Father, Joshua one eight. Don't turn to it. This book. Are you ready now? Listen to me. This is not. A, this is not meant to be a nice sermon. At all. This is meant to teach you to act upon. The word to show you why calamities come into Christians. To show you why they're being defeated in life and don't know, understand why. To show you why. Why did God let that happen to brother so-and-so when he's just a fine Christian? To show you that God didn't allow it to happen, that he did, or she did, or I did. Now listen. Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your what? Mouth. The word is in your mouth. Don't let it depart out of your mouth. Not just on Sunday, on Wednesday. Don't let it depart out of your mouth. Well, how specific was he? Don't let it depart out of your mouth. Deuteronomy 6 says, when you get up in the morning, talk about the word. When you go to bed at night, talk about the word. When you sit by your table, talk about the word. When you walk by the wayside, talk about the word. I can't emphasize that enough, brothers and sisters. You'll not walk a victorious faith walk if you're talking about other things all the time. Why? Because it's the word that you speak that enters into your ears. Man, put your finger in your ear. You want to get it in your heart? Put your finger in your ear and start speaking. Hallelujah. It'll go right into your spirit. That's right. Your voice is the closest voice to your spirit. So you hear the word. You hear yourself saying the word. It produces an image inside your mind's eye, an image. When that image is finally conceived in your spirit, the spirit will take over. The spirit will sustain any infirmity. The spirit will begin to give illumination to the mind. The mind and the spirit together will control the tongue, which will control the body. The nervous system will be controlled by the tongue. Why do you think worry causes ulcers in the body of men and women? They hear the word, they act upon it. This business is driving me crazy. This blah, 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 blah. blah, And it, it... Activate something. I'll show you in the Word it activates it. But listen. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You'll meditate therein. The Word spoken is not enough. Did you hear me? We walk around and just confess the Word and think, just because I confessed it, it's working. Listen to me. Do not confuse confession unto faith with a confession of faith. The confession unto faith is you speaking God's Word between you and Him or yourself and getting that word to produce an image in your mind. This book of the law, not the part of your mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Day and night. And if you're not going to do it day and night, you might as well also forget the faith walk. Why do you say that? Because I didn't write the Bible. He said day and night. I can't go beyond that. He said day and night. Meditate. Keep the word in your mouth and meditate day and night. That's why people are defeated. They don't meditate in the word day and night. Okay, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. Now, why did he give him that nugget of truth? Well, we could see now why he gave him that nugget of truth because when he speaks the word and gets the imagination through meditation or an image of what that word is saying, it will be conceived in a heart. Then the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will begin to speak. See? And when those words come out from the heart not the head, the heart, then those words have creative power and force. We try to do it backwards. Like I said, you can't just get up and just read, rattle off all your confessions in one day, it's hundred miles an hour, and think it's going to do anything, because you've got to have it in your mind. As a matter of fact, 1st Psalm says what? Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the godly. Don't do it. Doesn't stand in the way of the sinner. Don't do it. And does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't do it. But his delight is in the law or the word of God. And in it does he meditate day and night. And he, meditation, beloved. Why is he always saying meditation? It is so vital. It's vitally important to the walk of faith. Not just speaking the word, but meditation in the word day and night. He shall be like the tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth what? That brings forth His fruit. What is His fruit? You ready for this? Wholesome tongue is a tree of life. You'll bring forth the fruit of life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You'll bring forth automatically fruit of everlasting life. Fruit of righteousness. Healing the sick. Everything that Jesus talked about that you'll do, that's what you'll bring forth. That's the fruit He's talking about. You'll bear much fruit. Prayer fruit. You'll get to a place, beloved, that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You'll automatically bear that fruit. It'll just come forth. Automatically come forth out of your spirit. You don't have to uh, school yourself into anything when an emergency arises. When an emergency comes, it'll just come up out of your heart. Well, glory to God in Jesus' name, I say they're healed. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, you'll be bearing fruit. But this is the process of it. Now, let's look at another scripture uh, we, we read that over there in in in, James, uh, in, in John, but uh, in the 119th Psalm, this agrees with what we said about how the Word will gain entrance into your heart. Now, the entrance of your wor- of the Word gives what light even though you were born again, you have the light of salvation does not mean that you have the whole light of the counsel of God. Now, the entrance of God's Word, and how does it gain entrance? Through hearing and meditating. It will be conceived in the heart. The entrance of that Word gives light. Once the Word is gotten into the Spirit and the light of that word is in the Spirit, then the Spirit will bring forth fruit of itself. All right, listen. In Proverbs 18 and 20, it says, A man's belly shall be satisfied by the words of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. We want to be filled with all the fullness of God. We want our spirits to be full of the light of God. Now the entrance of that word gives light, but the entrance cannot come into your spirit. You may mentally understand the word and know the word and quote the word, but that word has not gained entrance into your heart. Now listen, someone comes and says, but, B- Brother Bill, I believe that by His stripes I'm healed, but I just can't seem to get it. Why? I know every scripture. I know what every scripture says. I can quote them all to you. Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter two twenty four, Isaiah 53. Well, what's the problem? The problem is, you know the word up here, but you didn't meditate on that word to get it down here. When you get it down here, it will bring forth the fruit of your healing. It has to do it. I'll show it to you, Mark 4. Look at it, Mark 4. Death and life are in the power of your tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, the the mouth not only takes in physical food... That physical food goes in by the way of the mouth, goes into the stomach, it's assimilated throughout the entire body, isn't that right? Now the same spiritual food starts in the mouth. I mean, why should we separate the two? You, it, no problem if you tell somebody that you eat food with your mouth, I mean, everybody knows that. But when you tell even Christians that the word must be in your mouth, to go in through the soul to the heart. Now food goes into the belly Jesus said And comes out in the draft But the word that goes Enters your ears From your mouth By speaking that word Will go in Through the soul To your heart Why can't I believe that If those words are spirit And my, I am a spirit And Jesus said Men shall not live by bread alone But by every word That proceedeth out of the mouth of God He likened it unto bread If As bread goes into the belly So the word His word Which is the bread of life Goes into the heart of man When it gets into the heart of man It produces The fruit thereof Whatever the words you're speaking All Right now Thank you, Jesus. Where are we at? Okay. Mark, the fourth chapter. Verse 26. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. The ground is his heart. And should sleep and rise. How often? How often? He does what? He speaks the word and meditates it night and day. And the seed should spring and grow. He knoweth not how. I tell people, if you'll just do it, if you'll meditate at night and day, if you'll speak at night and day and just do it night and day and don't stop. One day it'll be conceived in your heart and you won't know how, but you brought forth fruit because the spirit of man works that way. It's the same process. But here's, here's what he says. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it in a sickle, because the harvest has come. Now you'll have that kind of a harvest. Ripened fruit. But it cannot work inside your spirit, which is the ground, unless it's planted into that ground or into that heart. It cannot gain entrance into the heart unless you meditate it day and night. So you get it in there. And when you get it in there... Then it will begin to produce and come forth. Now, this is exactly, go to Galatians, the uh, sixth chapter. We've read these scriptures and we just ignored them and read over them and, and thought wondered, how do you do this and how do you do that? I'll just read by it. Maybe someday somebody will tell me. But never got around with the Spirit of God to find out some of these things. Look at the sixth chapter, verses seven through nine. Okay. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Do you know why that's true? You know why that's true? Because that's how the human spirit works. Whatever you sow inside your heart, that's what's going to come out. An evil man brings forth evil things, and a good man brings forth good things. And if you don't watch yourself, even a good man that's born again will bring forth evil things if he plants them into his heart. That's what he said there about cleansing yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Okay. Now look at... For he that soweth to his flesh, you can sow to in your spirit of the flesh, or the senses, shall of the senses reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, the word is as a seed. It's planted into the heart. All the words of your mouth... If you meditate them and think about them long enough, whatever you're saying, see someone will say, well, I only said that three times, but if you go back and listen to what you're saying, pattern, you know, a pattern in your life, you may be saying the same thing every day and every day and every day and every day, every day. Like a very good example is what I said about children. These kids drive me crazy. One of these days I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. These kids just drive me crazy. I'm just going to have a nervous breakdown one of these days. Well, I'll tell you what, if I don't get some relief from these kids, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. They just drive me up a wall. Now, a, a, a woman will say that every day in the house, every day, and not realize what she's saying. One day, five years later, see, five years later, she's, uh, she's admitted to a mental institute, and, and everybody wants to know why this happened. Well, I'm going to close with this passage of scripture. I see we're not going to get it all in, but let's go back to James, uh, the first chapter, the third chapter. Remember what we said about the speech center of the brain will control the body or have dominion over it? I want want you to see something here about the tongue in verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5. We're going to get, we are going to get in deep into this teaching, by the way. This is very vital. It's important in every Christian's life. Verse 5. Even so the tongue is a little member, but boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Now, the words that she was speaking was like kindling. When you light a fire, you don't light a whole log. You don't get a match and light a log. Anybody lights fires in your, in your fireplace? Do you get a little match and light a big log? Or do you put kindling around it? Some paper or some kindling right around it. Well, the tongue is as the kindling. And the words that are being spoken are like kindling. All right? That's what the tongue is like. And it starts a fire. Look at the next verse. It shows you what it starts. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles or soils or stains the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire hell. It ignites in the spot, that speech center. It ignites something in the brain that begins to dictate to the body. Now, listen, the words that were spoken over the past five years are like the kindling. Those words are burned up. When the calamity comes and nobody realizes or understands what took place, they're gone. See? But we've got a disaster. She had a nervous breakdown. But those words, like kindling, for the last five years, they were igniting the course of nature, which is set on fire of hell. Her brain got a hold of those words, the speech center, a hold of the brain. And the nervous system began to obey the words as kindling is to that log. And then all of a sudden, boom, her life's on fire. You try to tell her that she's been saying this all her life. And someone says, you people are flipped. But James said it right here. Now, listen, listen what it says. It defiles the whole body. You know what that word defile means? It, it means to soil or to stain. Remember over there in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, where it says, Having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. The word filthiness means defilement or soil or stain. Now, listen. How do you cleanse yourself from all soil and staining of the flesh and spirit? In the fear of who? What's the fear of God? Keeping your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking gal. The tongue defiles the whole body. Cleanse yourself from all soilment, defilement, filthness of the flesh and spirit. The spirit is defiled has filthiness in it when the tongue begins to speak the wrong words into the ear that goes into the mind that goes into the heart it's defiled. cleanse yourself from it by keeping your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile then that clean heart shall begin to bring forth you clean it up the ground of your heart all the weeds and all the thorns and thistles that good ground which we're going to get into is love will begin to bring forth fruit of righteousness automatically in your life. I think that does it. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father... God bless.